You're listening to the Reman Initiative. This is a short form podcast dedicated to calling men back into the kingdom of God, teaching men how to be real sons of God, how to think like sons and act like sons. When this episode drops, it's going to be December 12th, 2022, and it is beginning to look a whole lot like Christmas around here at the Bailey House. And this episode, this might be one of the favorites I've done. I can't wait for you to hear it. Welcome to the Reman Initiative. Hey guys, welcome to the show, and as always, thank you for taking just a few minutes out of your busy week, especially around the holidays, to spend them with me. Let's read this passage of scripture again out of Isaiah 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Born on October 20th, 1828, Horatio had grown to be a godly and prosperous man. He was an elder in the Presbyterian Church, a senior partner in a very successful Chicago-based law firm, and once married, became a devoted husband and a loving father. Anna Larson was born in Norway in 1842. She was living in Chicago and was attending Horatio's Sunday school class. Horatio was very taken with her beauty and intelligence, and in the fall of 1861, they were married. Horatio and Anna were gifted with four beautiful daughters, Anna, Margaret Lee, Elizabeth, and Tanetta. Horatio's law firm had become pretty prosperous, And in the spring of 1871, Horatio made a large investment in real estate that was along the Lake Michigan front in Chicago. In the fall of 1871, the Great Fire of Chicago occurred and left Horatio and Anna's real estate investments in a pile of ashes. On that day, an estimated 300 people lost their lives and around 100,000 were made homeless despite their own substantial financial loss. The Spaffords sought to demonstrate the love of Christ by assisting those who were grief-stricken and in great need. Two years later, in the fall of 1873, Horatio decided that the stress of the past two years had been tough on Anna and the girls, and that the family would benefit from an extended vacation to Europe. For the past several years, the two of them had built a wonderful relationship with an evangelist whose gospel crusades were inspiring revivals all over. The evangelist, Dwight, would be preaching in Europe during this time, and Horatio and Anna had planned on being with their friend and supporting him while they were in Europe. Horatio booked passage on the French sea liner, the Ville du Harvey, for him, Anna, and the girls. Anna was 11. Margaret, or Maggie as they called her, was nine. Elizabeth, who they called Bessie, was five. And Tanetta was two. It was going to be a wonderful family adventure for sure. 
Just before they were scheduled to leave, Horatio was confronted with some business problems which were stemming from the zoning issues that were around his and Anna's real estate investments that were lost in the Great Fire. The issue was urgent, and it needed to be dealt with. Rather than cancel the trip, Horatio told Anna to go ahead with the girls, and he'd jump on the next ship and be close behind them. On November 21, 1873, the Ville du Harvey was struck by an iron-hulled British sailing ship called the Lockerne. The Ville du Harvey sank in 12 minutes. 226 souls were lost in what was the worst accident at sea in naval history up to that time, some 40 years before the Titanic. Anna was found unconscious, floating on a piece of the wreckage. Annie, Maggie, Bessie, and Tanetta were all lost that day, drowned at sea. The crew of the Loch Urn, which was itself was in danger of sinking, pulled Anna from the wreckage. Fortunately, the Trimountain, a cargo sailing vessel, arrived to save the survivors. Nine days after the shipwreck, Anna landed in Cardiff, Wales, and cabled Horatio these six words. Saved alone. What shall I do? After receiving Anna's telegram, Horatio immediately left Chicago to be with her. On the Atlantic crossing, the captain of his ship called Horatio to his cabin to tell him that they were passing over the spot where his four daughters had perished. Horatio had written a letter to Rachel, Anna's half-sister, and said this, On Thursday we passed over the spot where she went down, in mid-ocean. The water's three miles deep, but I do not think our dear ones are there. They are safe in the fold, the dear lambs. It was there on that sorrowful crossing that Horatio, a man who deeply loved his wife and children, a man who deeply loved Jesus and had given so much already for the kingdom of God, wrote a song of worship that today is still sung by the church. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well, with my soul. In this passage from Isaiah, which we read earlier, the promised Savior, the coming Messiah, was called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The word translated peace here is the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom is a rich and complex experience. The root idea of the meaning of shalom is that of wholeness, a soundness of structure all things being in order and fit properly in their place. Think of a beautiful stone wall constructed of thousands of stones of varying shapes and sizes and yet ordered in a way that has symmetry and clean mortar lines. And you'll get a glimpse of the basic concept of shalom. It's where all the pieces of our hearts and minds are ordered in a way that produces an unshakable wholeness of the heart. 
In the midst of some of life's most trying times, this sort of peace transcends human understanding and is rock solid. It was in this state of shalom, of true peace, that Horatio Spafford was even capable of writing a song of worship to Jesus on this day. This would not be the last sorrows that Horatio and Anna faced, but regardless of those sorrows, these two dedicated their lives to the kingdom of God and the mission of Christ. In August of 1881, the Spaffords left America with a number of other like-minded Christians and settled in Jerusalem. There they served the needy, helped the poor, cared for the sick, and took in homeless children. They weren't talking about the gospel. They were living it and demonstrating the love of Jesus to everyone around them. On October 16th of 1888, Horatio Spafford died of malaria. Anna Spafford continued to work in the surrounding areas of Jerusalem until her own death in 1923, and both Horatio and Anna were laid to rest in Jerusalem. It could truly be said of them both, it was well with their souls. The real gift of Christmas is this sort of peace. And only the Prince of Peace himself can give that gift to us. The Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians 1, 19-22, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in the Son, and through him to reconcile all things to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross. Paul goes on to say in that passage that you were at one time strangers and enemies in your minds as expressed through your evil deeds. But now, he has reconciled you by his physical body through death to present you holy, without blemish, and blameless before him. Peace is not the normal state of the human heart, because we're born into the world in an alienated, hostile state with God that just reeks of conflict, anxiety, worry, and fear. The gift of Christmas was unwrapped at the cross, and for those who are willing to accept the gift, it is now possible for them to also say with full conviction, it's well with my soul. Jesus said in John fourteen twenty seven, Peace I leave with you, my peace, my peace I give to you. My prayer for each of you listening today is that you would desire this sort of peace and give your hearts and lives to the Prince of Peace who offers it. Merry Christmas to all of you. May God's favor and peace truly rule in your hearts and lives this holiday season. Until next week, God bless. You've been listening to the Reman Initiative. I'm your host, Joe Bailey. I'm the Executive Director of Men's Training and Mentorship for RealMenConnect.com and The Real Men 300. The Real Men 300 is a brotherhood of faithful men fiercely determined to follow the ultimate man, Jesus Christ, in the most critical areas of a real man's life. Loving God with all our hearts, souls, and mind, inspiring, loving, and leading our wives and children, Finding our God-given purpose and identity in Christ and equipping ourselves and others to live in the blessing and the favor of God while building a lasting legacy. All of this is accomplished in a connected, 
discipleship-focused community of Christ-centered men. If this is something you feel like you'd like to be a part of and you'd like to start doing life with me and my brothers, check us out at realmenconnect.com. I hope to see you there. Until next week, guys, God bless.